might hear it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. <clears throat> title of my message this morning is, They Are the Ones. Have any of you all ever dealt with the proverbial they? Anybody? As a pastor, it happens regularly to me whenever someone will come into my office and they're really upset about something, and this is usually the way they say it. They say, uh, they are upset about this. And I, many times I'd like to say, well, who are they? Well, I'm not going to tell you who they are, but they are upset. Has anybody ever had something like that happen? They. Just point out there into the openness of the cosmos and say, they. Well, this morning, the title of the message is, They Are the Ones. Except I'm going to point to who they are. Would that be all right? They are called dads. They're called fathers. They're the ones. They are the ones. How many of you all know that a father has a responsibility all to themselves? Amen? And so this morning, we're going to be talking about those responsibilities. We're going to be talking about what a Christian father might be like according to the Bible. Amen? Uh, the Bible has a whole lot to say about Christian, uh, a Christian father's responsibility. And the law of Moses, this is Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you want to go there, it's a very familiar portion of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 6. It says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. These words that I command you today basically is this. It's the Word of God. So God is giving His Word to the children of Israel, and He said, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So here is a set of responsibilities that is given to a Christian father in regards to the Word of God. Basically, it's this. Fathers are to know the Word of God. They're to study the Word of God. And they are te to teach the Word of God to their children and to be involved in a, on a daily basis with their kids. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says... Uh, to train up a child in the way that he should go, and whenever he's old, he will not depart from it. In Proverbs 3.12, it talks about a father providing discipline for the children. In the New Testament, the instructions given to us in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. See, this verse negatively it says, fathers, don't provoke your children. Don't frustrate your children. Um, because if you do that, in, as you parent, you can really hurt or harm a child by provoking them. In the positive uh, aspect of that scripture, fathers are to teach their children the word of God. They provide wisdom for living. And they are to help their children uh, ultimately come to a place of salvation. You see, whenever you do it in a positive way, ultimately what happens to a kid is it's just a natural sequence in their life to one day come to a place where they bow their knee and they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, I've given you some scriptures. This morning I could give you a lot more that deal with fatherhood in the Bible. I could point out some fathers in the Bible that we could look at their lives. I mean, for heaven's sake, Adam had kids, amen? Uh, they were fighters. <laughs> um, some of you will get that. Um, Noah had kids. 
Abraham had kids. Hey, I'm one of them. Amen. Uh, Abraham blessed the whole world through his kids. And so there's all of these, these examples in the Bible of fatherhood. There's all these scriptures about fatherhood. And, and to be very honest with you, I think today most Christian men, notice I prefaced it, most Christian men embrace the biblical truth that they are to lead their families in Christ. I imagine if I went to any one of you fathers, I would probably not get any resistance whatsoever if I said, you're supposed to lead your family in Christ. I don't think there'd be anybody saying, no, not me. It's not my job. It's my wife's job. No, it's the public school's job. See, I think all of us probably know that, that it is our job to lead our families. We're convinced that that's the necessary element for us as fathers. Unfortunately, most of us are not quite sure how to do this. I'm going to tell you something. I had Cody when I was 20 years old, and I'm just going to tell you this. Please don't repeat this to anybody, but I was young and dumb. I didn't know the first thing about raising kids. I mean, for the first three or four months, we just kept him in a cardboard box and uh, with a heat lamp on. <laughs> I'd, raised, I'd raised chickens, but uh, are you all there with me? You see... Unfortunately, all that we need to know as fathers isn't just some way uh, transmitted into us genetically. Many, many out there in our world today didn't grow up in a Christian home. They didn't grow up with a strong uh, Christian, uh, strong godly father to model what fathering is before them. In fact, I'll be very honest with you. I'm going to say this, and you all can throw stuff at me if you want to, but I believe that probably 95% of everything that the United States is going through right now outside of the COVID virus, you realize I'm not saying that, is, is a direct result of bad parenting. And I'm even going to go a step farther than that. It's a direct result of bad fathering. <clears throat> Amen. So, how does a Christian husband, how does a Christian father lead their family well? How do we do that? Well, I've got some things here this morning that I believe, and, and can I just say this? Um, well, of course I can. I have the microphone. Um, Whenever I left here Thursday from church, this sermon was two and a half hours long because there were so many things I wanted to say to dads, so many things that I believe are so imperative to say to dads. And I've cut and hacked it. I've got it down to two hours and 15 minutes. So everybody said, praise God, maybe a little less than that. So let's take a look at a couple of things that I believe are going to be helpful to us as we father our children, as we grandfather our grandchildren. Amen? So going to give you a metaphor here. As you look around your home, you can see that most items within your home have a very specific purpose. The chair is for sitting. The table is for eating. The window is for light to see as well as fresh air to breathe. Just as it is true that things in our home are put there for a reason, so God has placed us men in our families because he has a purpose for us. I can say this very frankly, very matter-of-factly, the, the role of a father has been so misunderstood in the generations that have grown up in the last 50 years that we, we can't even understand the role of a father anymore. 
Because we've got some kids growing up that believe Homer Simpson is the best role model for a, for a father. I'm, I'm just, most fathers are portrayed on TV as some type of buffoon, some kind of person that the kids need to give constant input in so the father can make the right decisions. Hello? God has put us men into our homes for a purpose. Uh, more of this metaphor. A chair with a broken leg is useless in a home. It takes up valuable space, but no one can sit in it. Everyone has to be careful of it rather than its offering itself to serve others. People living in the home and their visitors all have to be protected from sitting on a chair on the chair of or they will likely hurt themselves by crashing to the floor. God has given to many men the privilege and the responsibility of being both fathers and husbands. And so this morning with that analogy in our, in our background, this, this chair with a broken leg, I'm going to give you a challenge. If we do not live in our homes the way God wants us to, then without meaning to, we will probably do more harm than we realize. God's call to you today is that you live out your responsibilities towards your wife and your children using all the help and advice that He offers you. The secrets to good parenting, the secret to being a good father, are found within the pages of this book right here. They are found in asking for wisdom via the Holy Spirit that guides our lives. We cannot be a good father on our own. If you had a good father and he set a godly example before you, I promise you this, just because of that example, you have a head start, but you are certainly not all the way finished in the race. Amen. So this morning, I want to look at several different responsibilities that I believe fall on the, on the shoulders of each man, each father that's in this room, each father that we're speaking to this morning. <clears throat> each responsibility that's given by God to husbands and fathers, and I am going to believe with all of us in this room that God is going to help us to achieve these responsibilities. The first one is this. As fathers, we need to be leaders of our home. We need to lead. A Christian man is to bring leadership into his home and his family. In Ephesians 5.23, it says, For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. As Jesus Christ leads the church, so men are to lead their families. Men, my mother-in-law, whenever I was fixing to get married, well, she wasn't my mother-in-law then, but she took me aside. And, you know, sometimes you just wonder about old people, you know, if they're crazy or whatever. But she took me aside and she said, J.D., she said, I'm going to tell you something. You are the priest of your home, and don't you forget that. Well, I go, crazy old woman, get away from me. But you know what? Scripture confirmed that. And I realized that what my mother-in-law said was exactly what the Bible says. I'm the priest of my home. I am the leader of my home. And I know today in the society we live in, sometimes that doesn't set well with a woman. I'm just telling you, there's a lot of marriage ceremonies that have completely changed their language because women say we're equal. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We are not equal. 
God said men need to be the head of their homes. Boy, there's a lot of amens going on for that one. We're just not equal. God says you're the leader, man, and, and we need to understand that. We don't, we don't lead with some type of authoritarian government. We're not, thus says the Lord God, JD. That's not the way we lead. And we're going to learn a little bit more about how to lead. Jesus' leadership was not self-centered. He is the leader of the church, but his leadership was not self-centered. He sacrificed himself in the service of those he deeply loved. Too often, leadership, or too often, men are all about themselves. Come on. It's not the type of leadership that God has called us to be. He's called us to be leaders that are self-sacrificing, that everybody else's needs are more important than our needs. Amen. To be great leaders in our family, we must be first great Christians. Christianity must come before our culture. It's got to come before tradition. It's got to literally come before everything. We men must choose to put the Bible into practice in our own lives and the Bible into practice in our homes. To do this, we may have to be men enough to stand alone against our community, against our pop culture, against expectations that might be given to us. We've got to be men that stand up and say, I'm going to lead my family the way the Bible says to lead my family. I'd love to spend about an hour on that one, but I only have two hours and 15 minutes. Men, we must lead. The second one is we must pursue holiness. This is an important and integral key to leading our families in Christ. A Christian husband and a Christian father cannot lead where he is not trod. Whenever I first got into the ministry, I had a lot of people giving me input because I was a young minister, and I was 26 years old, and I had, uh, no, I'm sorry, I was 24 years old, and I had a lot of people giving me input. This is what you need to do, J.D., this needs you, what you need to do. And they pointed me to this one scripture. It's 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. It says, <clears throat> Take heed to yourself and to your doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So basically, the Apostle Paul is admonishing his son Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, listen to this, man. He said, you need to pay a lot of attention to yourself, and you need to pay a lot of attention to your doctrine. In other words, what he's saying to Timothy is, he said, you need to be a good pastor. You need to pastor rightly. You need to, you need to keep a close eye on the way you behave and the way you act and the things you do as a pastor. He said, you got to take heed of that. And so as, as a pastor, I had to keep close watch on my life. There were many, many, many times that I would have enjoyed going to a movie theater, but I'll be very honest with you. Whenever you go to a multiplex and there's 12 different movies playing, sometimes it's difficult whenever you run into people that you know and there's seven R-rated movies and only one PG-rated movie. Are you following what I'm saying? You have, to, uh, you have to flee the very appearance of evil. And so there was a lot of times I never went to the movie theater. Why? Because I didn't want people getting the wrong opinion of me. Amen. I never hit my wife in public. I'm, just, I'm just, just seeing if you guys are awake. Okay. 
There's a whole lot of things you got to take care of so that you so that you cannot so that you will not give a bad name to your pastoring. So if it's true of pastoring your church, how many of you all know that as men we pastor our families? So if it's true of us pastoring our church, then it has to be true of us pastoring our home. If holiness is found lacking in our lives, then it's going to be it's going to be normally lacking in our family members as well. The greatest motivation to to our family's growth in Christ is our growth in Christ. As we grow, so will they. So we have to lead. We have to pursue holiness. And this next one, we have to be lavish in our love. We got to love our families. Let me just just give you something that's probably never, ever been said. Are you all ready for this? No wife... No child has ever said this. Man, when I was growing up, I was loved way too much. Seriously. No wife has ever come to the end of her life and said, man, my husband loved me way too much. You stupid guy. Are you all there with me? You cannot, that's why I use the word lavish, because it's lavish whenever you, you just lay it out there. You just put more and more and more and more and more. I can remember whenever we traveled to Africa a few years ago as a missionary team, and, and uh, you know, the locals would prepare a meal for us and service, and they just loved to serve us. They just loved to give us food, and, and some of it wasn't American. And I'm just telling you, just that's as far as I want to go with that. And so they would, they would prepare a little bowl, and they would give it to us, and you know, just about the time that you had swallowed that last bite, they wanted to serve you. And so they were there filling your bowl up again. You go, oh, I can't eat anymore, please. I don't want to eat anymore. Enough said. We need to just lavish our love. Whenever they've eaten up a little bit of our love, just lay some more on us. Uh, Don't be the husband. Don't be the father who is reserved in expressing your love. I've gone through my life knowing many, many people that their fathers have never once told them they loved them. I was a grown man before my own father told me that he loved me. Maybe I was just real unlovable back whenever I was younger. I don't know. Maybe he just fell in love with me after a while. I don't think so. I think he loved me from the time I was born. He just never expressed that in me. The only problem is that we've had so many people in this, and I encourage you, don't be a husband, don't be a father who's reserved in expressing your love. Make your wives' husbands feel treasured. Nourish them and and cherish them. Grace her with compliments. You need to compliment your wife. You need to compliment your wife on at least one good decision that she's made, and that's marrying you. Or maybe it should be at a a belevenant. Yeah, one of those. Yeah, it should be a, a kind, kind thing she did by marrying you. I think we need to give our kids and our wives constant affection. Husbands, thank your wives more often than you do. It's, it's hard work being a wife, and it's hard being married to you. <laughs> you see, this is what needs to happen. We need to lavish our love on our family in such a way, lavish our our love on our, our wives in such a way that there's never a doubt in her mind that you treasure her above all others. 
Allow your kids to see your affection, parents. I mean that. You need to allow your children to see you loving on one another. The PG kind of love, okay? You need to love on their mom, and, and it should be a regular sight in their eyes. You know, uh, what is it? Um, uh, displays of affection should be seen in your home all the time. Dads, you should be loving on your kid's mom. And you go, oh, I'm just pretty reserved. Well, quit being pretty reserved. They need to see you loving one another. In Ephesians 5.25, this is a, uh, something that the, that the Holy Spirit gives to husbands. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Ephesians 5.28, just a couple of verses later. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And so you're saying, Pastor, how, much you, how come you're talking so much about loving wives in this? You see, because if you love your wife, it's easy to love your kids because there's a little bit of your wife in each one of them. We need to love our wives. We need to love our kids. We need to lavish upon our children an unfailing type of love. No matter their failings, no matter the struggles of these kids, they have to be able to know that our love is constant in their lives. It's never going to cease. There's nothing that can steal our love away. And I'll say this, you will probably never be a perfect father. But whenever you bathe your children in love, it's a step to becoming a, being a great father. Amen? Love your family lavishly. The next one is this. You need to provide for your family. We got too many deadbeat dads. Got too many deadbeat dads. They got kids that they don't provide for them. And that doesn't mean that they're living off in another home somewhere. Sometimes they don't provide for them even living in the same home that they are. This morning, I just got to expand this a little bit. I'm going to say provide for your family in every realm. How many of you all know there's more to provision than just keeping a house uh, for them to live in and food for them to eat and clothes to wear? Amen? So most Christian husbands and fathers recognize that they need to provide for their family. I can probably go through this congregation and take a poll and probably every one of uh, the, the fathers in here say, yeah, I believe it's my responsibility to provide for a family. In fact, uh, this is 1 Timothy 5.8 says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for the members of his own, own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I mean, that's a pretty strong scripture, but it's telling us that we need to provide. Providing like this is true in the physical realm, but it's also true in the spiritual realm. By all means, husbands, fathers, bring home the bacon. That thick-cut smoked bacon is the best kind, man. I'm telling you. Bring home the bacon. But whenever you bring home the bacon, don't just stop there. Provide for your family spiritually. Teach them the Word. Pray with them. Take them to church. Get them involved in, in ministry. Don't think that your job is done by putting a roof over their head and clothes on their back and, and food in their stomachs. The, 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 they are more than just body. They are soul. And they need your provision their, for, for their body, but they also need spiritual provision to him. Dads, that's our job. It's our job. The next one is practice humility. Leading, as we started out with, being the leader, 
is different from the world's view of leadership, Christian leadership is. The world promotes the type of leadership that demands to be served. My dad was the type of guy that used his kids to serve him. Give me a glass of tea. Hit the vish. Does anybody know what hit the vish means? I think it was just something that was made up by my father. Hit the vish. Does anybody know what that means? Cody does, I know, because he lived in my home. But hit the vish meant in the days before there was a remote control for your TV, your kids were it. And my dad says, hit the vish. That means you jump up and you start flipping through the stations and you stand there. Dunk. And he'd watch it for a minute. He says, no, go on. Dunk. Dunk. And by the time you got through all three stations and there was nothing to watch, then he says, okay, turn in UHF. Does anybody remember that? And so you had to monkey with the little rabbit ears on the TV, and then you had to go down to this other knob on the bottom. Well, at first you had to go to the top knob and get it to the right place, and then the bottom knob you could start fiddling with it and finally turn in a UHF station. And they were all junky stations, man. They didn't have the rifleman or anything like that on it. I always wanted to be like the rifleman. But my dad was the kind of guy that just used, he used his kids in the wrong, and it doesn't mean that your kids can't get you a glass of tea. Okay, it's not what I'm saying, kids. As fathers, we have to be the servants in our home. The world promotes this demand to be served type of leadership. The Christian view of leadership demands to serve, not to be served. So fathers, I've written you a letter today. It's short, but I've written it especially to you. <clears throat> Dear Christian husband and father, that's you, because you are the one. You are the chief servant in your home. Congratulations, Pastor Watson. Okay, that's my letter to you. That's, that's who we are. We are the chief servants in our home. Whenever we come home, we're tired, and we say, man, I just want to come home, and I just want to be served. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't think there's anything wrong with you being served, but you are the chief servant in your home. Sometimes men come in and plop down. I've given eight hours. It's been really hard. Your wife is probably given 10 or 12, and they're tired too. Thank you, ladies. That was just for you. In Matthew 20, verse 26, it says, Yet it shall not be that way among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. We are supposed to lead by serving, and often serving is sacrificial. Got to sacrifice. Sometimes whenever we're the tiredest that we can possibly be, that's whenever we are called on to serve. And I will tell you this, anytime that you become a servant, you have to become humble in that position. So practice humility. I've come into this house and I am here to serve my family. I am not too tired to read a story to my child. I'm not too tired to read, uh, help them with their homework. I'm not too tired to sit down with my wife and, and spend moments relaxing and in conversation. It's not too Are you all there with me? Sometimes it takes humility to do that. Whenever you're bone tired and say, well, I'm tired. Hey, what in the world? And then the fight is on. Amen. Okay. Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husband, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself 
for her. Serving is sacrificial. Serving is humility. The next one is protect and be strong. Folks, we got to protect our families. Amen? we got to be strong. And that doesn't mean muscles like I have. That is not a place to speak, I mean, laugh. That's a place to speak an amen. Goodness gracious. We need to be strong for our families. Your wife and children need your strength. Not only do they need your strength, but they also need to know that you are willing to use your strength for their good. We need to be strong. Strong men. I have to tell you that there are so many things out there today that are taking away what strong men should be made out of. I'm just telling you something. There's nothing wrong with being a strong man. has nothing whatsoever to do with muscles. Amen? We need to serve as our family's defenders. Our families need to know that we would be willing to and gladly stand up for them, to defend them, whether it costs us socially, professionally, emotionally, or physically. There was a time in my life where my parents did not stand up for me, and I was really completely devastated by that whole scenario. It literally changed the course of my life because my parents did not stand up for me in something that I had been wronged on. Long story, and I could go into it this morning, but I can tell you that our families need our strength. They need us to protect them. The next one is, set the tone for your home. Be joyful. Be thankful. Be happy. Be contented. And there's some of you out there going, I don't want to. You can't make me. We need to set the tone for our home. A Christian husband, a Christian father, establishes the culture of his home probably more than anybody else. And you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. i got a moody teenager in my house. I'm just going to tell you something. As a father, as a Christian father, you hold a trump card over a Christian teenager's, over a, a moody teenager's life. Amen? You go, I don't have a teenager yet but I got four toddlers and they're fussy, they're crying. Let me just tell you, there's no fussy toddler that holds a trump card over you as a father setting the tone for your home. And you go say, Pastor, call on me. I got one that trumps teenagers and toddlers. I got a mad wife. There's not even a mad wife that trumps a husband that comes home and sets the tone in their house. You are the determining factor of how your house is going to be. Too often, though, I, I think when we walk in the door and we're embraced by that moony teenager, that fussy toddler, that mad wife, all of a sudden it makes us into a mad dad. And the whole tone for the day is set. Amen? I'm, I know I'm talking to somebody out here because I've lived through these things. We as men have to set the tone for our home. We, we may have had the most pity day in the whole world at work, and we've got to come home and shake it off. Amen? 
We got to shake it off. We've, we've, got to, we've got to decide that whenever I walk into that home, I'm going to bring an atmosphere of joy. I'm going to bring an atmosphere of happiness. I'm going to be, bring an atmosphere of, of understanding. I'm going to bring an atmosphere of, of thanksgiving into my home. I'm going to set the tone for my home. I challenge you, men, before you ever get out of your car, decide how it's going to be whenever you walk through the door. It's not a lot of amens with this, but you all know I'm telling the truth. Next one is this, live with your family. Live with your family. <laughs> I do live with my family. I got three bedrooms, they're all full of kids. I live with them, I'm, I'm in the fourth bedroom. Live with your family. And, I'm, and, and I've just put this little word right next to this, really, live with your family, really. A Christian husband, a Christian father spends time living with his wife. He spends time living with his family. Jesus Christ promised to be with us always, even to the end of the age. And, and I, I think we as, as fathers have to spend quality time investing it in our families. God made the family before he made any other institution. Do you all realize that? And we've got to get our priorities straight because I will tell you this, most often in most homes, the family comes last. The family usually gets the leftovers, amen? No amens, but you know I'm telling the truth. We got to learn from the way God put priority on the family to us putting priority on family. Time passes no matter what we're doing. I want you to look into the eyes of a 59-year-old pastor who has four kids, and they're all grown, and they're all gone. Time passes no matter what we're doing. Our spouses get older. Our children grow up, and it is not possible to turn back the clock of our lives. A few months ago, my last one left the nest. He told me this morning he's coming back in July, but he left the nest. And I would just tell you something. It devastated me. And you say, well, why? Because you lost Caleb? Not so much. Because never before had I really sat down and really looked at the way I've raised my kids. And I thought to myself, after Caleb walked out the door, I thought, man, I could have spent a lot more time with my kids than I did. I could have put them at a higher priority in my life than I often put them. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking from my heart this morning. And all of a sudden, my life was full of regret for the things I had not done. And so I prayed, and God said, I'm going to let you do it over. I'm joking. He didn't say that. You see, the problem with this is we don't get to do it over. And so while we have our families live with your family. Live with them. Have life with them. We only have today. That's it. This day is the only one that God's promised to us. Y'all realize that? And so this day is the day you need to, you need to do some, some stuff in your life, like tell your kids you love them, tell your wife you love them. Spend some time with your family 
today. It's the only one you have. And if you say, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it the next day, I tell you, you're going to end up in my shoes at 59 years old, looking back and going, man, I could have done things so much differently. We only have today. So let's make sure that we use this day wise and well. The next one is this, give a lot of grace. Peter says, live with, your, <clears throat> live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Paul says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Folks, we've got to model and practice grace in our homes. We have to extend to those people that are around us the same grace that's been extended to us. Have you ever gotten mad at somebody for doing the exact same thing that you've done? I got upset at somebody for doing something one time. I won't tell you who it was, but it was kind of one of those things, and it was bad, and I got upset. I go, oh, how could you have done that? And it was bad. Two weeks later, I did the exact same thing. And it was bad. So I kicked myself out of the house. We, we, we've got to be able to be people who give grace. Your wife and your kids, they should find you approachable. They should find you kind. They should find you gentle. They should find you gracious. We got to give grace. Whenever they hear the word grace, preach from a pulpit or read from a Bible, it, it can't be some kind of foreign concept to them. Does that make sense? We've got to be people of grace. They've, they've got to be people who have known and received grace from each one of us as fathers consistently. Give grace. The next one is this. Be loyal. Be loyal. Men, be loyal to your wives for heaven's sake, just be loyal. If you stood in front of a minister or a justice of the peace or whoever it was, and you said till death to your part, be loyal. If you need, if you need to, if you need to have a thought in your mind that says the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. Has anybody ever been there before? I, I promise you it's not. It's not. If you're looking around and you're seeing something, you know, you got these thoughts, well, that person, this person, probably be better than my wife. They're not better than your wife. They all come with their own package. They all come with their problems. They all come. Are you all there with me, folks? Be loyal. Just say, listen, I'm going to be loyal to my kid's mom. I'm going to be loyal to my wife. The next one is this. Be a living example. Every time we have a baby dedication, one of the things that I, that I charge the parents to do is be an example for their kids. Here they are holding this baby, this precious little gift that God has given them. I tell them, as you raise this child, the best you can possibly do for this child is give them a living example of how to be Jesus Christ. 
A Christian father should be that living example to his children, should be that living example to his wife. Jesus showed us the Father in heaven. That's what he came. He said, man, if you see me, you've seen the Father. So men should make it easy for children to know and understand God because they've seen God in you. Kids learn by copying, amen? And so they need to be able to have someone whose life is worth copying. Dads, can I just ask you a question? Have you ever done anything and your child was right there watching you and you looked at him and said, don't do that? Yes, I've done it. I've done it. I've done, I've done things dangerous with power tools before and I've looked at my kids and said, don't ever do that. I'm qualified. I have a license. But the fact of the matter is, I probably should have never did that. Are you all there with me? I've said things, and I've looked at my kids and say, don't say that. Don't, don't ever say that, because your mother will whip me and you. It's better just to be a good example. Amen? We have to give our kids a life that's worth copying. The next one is, we need to be able to live our life and constantly be aware that we are living our life for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what we're here for, is that our lives will reflect glory to Jesus Christ. We are to be, be producing glory for our God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, it says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Whether you're working, whether you're resting, whether you're playing, let your life glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. We got a model before our family, purposeful living. We got to demonstrate to them that every moment matters. Every person is significant. Every task is important. We got to laugh when we play we got to sweat when we work, and we got to sing loud whenever we worship. Our kids need to see us bringing glory to Jesus Christ. Our lives need to be led in such a way that we glorify our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do all things with His glory in view, and do them with our whole heart, our whole soul, especially whenever we're leading our family. So Christian husbands, Christian fathers... <clears throat> We've been given really a glorious task, a wonderful task of leading our homes in Christ. I mean, think about it. We've been given this amazing responsibility to lead our family in Christ. It's great. But we have to be men that lead intentionally. We've got to do it with intentions behind it. And so this morning, Jared, if you'll come and help me close, this is what I'm going to ask you. As men, as fathers, how are you leading your family in the Lord this morning? What principles or what practices, what pursuits are you employing for their good? What, what is it that you're bringing into your house? What are you bringing into your kids' lives, into your family's lives on a regular basis that's going to bring them up to know Jesus Christ so naturally and so wonderfully. I want to go back to that analogy that I used at the very beginning of the sermon, the favorite chair with a broken leg. You see, I believe that that chair that's been broken 
deserves to be mended. That's what I'm saying. I believe that chair that's broken can be mended and then it can be useful again. And I think this morning as we've gone through this list, and it's really just a list of things that we as men need to to envelop into our lives and begin to pour them out into our families. And I think in that list that perhaps God has challenged you about your relationship with your wife, about your relationship with your kids. Maybe he's challenged you with your responsibilities in the home. But this morning, we could just say, bless this service, Lord, amen, and we could all just go home. We could all just slip out the back door, and we could go home, and our families are going to treat us because we're fathers today, and they're going to make this day real special for us. But I really believe that before we go out those back doors, that we've got to make a decision to act on what God has shown us. Because if you're not the most loving father, if you're not the most loving husband, you need to make some changes in your life. If you're always grouchy whenever you come home, you need to make some changes whenever you come home on Monday. I'm I'm just saying. If you're somebody that's just real stingy with your grace, you need to make some changes. If you're somebody that doesn't provide for your family the way you need to provide for your family, you need to make some changes. If you're not really living with your family, you're just there bringing home the check and making sure they're fed and clothed, I'm telling you, you need to make some changes. You got to make a decision this morning to act on what God's shown you. If you really want to be that Christian husband, that Christian father that God wants you to be. And maybe this has been something you've struggled with for a while. Maybe you've just always been grumpy. I don't know. You can change. You can change. We can change. And this is why I know. Because you see, God wants you to set a positive tone in your house more than you want to set a positive tone in your house. God wants you to give away his grace and your grace so free. He wants it worse than we do because God wants your family to be all that it can be in him. Are y'all there with me? And so God is here saying, yeah, maybe you aren't the most loving father, but I can make you into a loving machine. I'm, I'm just saying he can do that. God is able to do these things in us. And so as God has pointed out perhaps some deficiencies in our own lives as fathers, this is the good news. He can fix that broken leg on that chair. And he can make that chair right with everybody in the house. People be wanting to sit in that chair because it's dependable and it's strong. And there's no fear that it might hurt them whenever they sit in it. Dads, would you stand with me? Whether you're a dad, granddad, whatever, would you just stand with me? Because I want to pray a prayer over all of you. This morning, like I said, if God has has shown you something in your life that there's a deficiency, maybe it's that broken leg on the chair, and you, you know exactly what God's talking about. 
then this morning I want to pray a prayer over you because I believe that you can become the father. I believe you can become the husband that God wants you to be. And I believe that your family can become all that God wants it to be because this is what I'm going to say to you this morning. You are the one. You're the one that all this responsibility falls on your shoulders. But God is not leaving you alone. He's coming alongside of you to strengthen you, to help you so that your family can be what it needs to be. All the rest of you that are sitting down, would you stretch out your hands towards these folks that are standing and let's pray over them. Father, we come to you, Lord God, and we bring all the fathers of this church, Lord God, all the fathers that are listening online. And Father, we just hold them up to you and we ask simply this, Lord, help us to be what we need to be. Father, you have shown us through this message things that are a little amiss in our lives. And Father, we don't want to hurt our families, Lord. We want our families to have every opportunity to grow and mature and to be all that they can be in you. So Father, this morning, help us to be better men than we are right now. Help us to be more patient and more loving. Father, help us to do all that we do for the glory of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, to live with our family. Really live with them, Lord God. Help us, Father God, to give lots of grace. Help us, Lord God, to be the leaders in our homes that we need to be. Father, help us. Help us, I pray. And Father, I pray for each one of these men to just... Have a special blessing today, Lord, because it is a special day. It's Father's Day. And I pray, Father, that your grace would just be running all over their lives. Your love, Father, would just be spilling out all over them. Father, I pray that they would feel and know that they are important and they are loved. And they are the ones. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, folks. Love on one another, I pray. God bless you. And guys, have an amazing Father's Day. Amen?